Eleanor Comstock, have you lost your senses? Demanded the angry voice of Catherine Comstock while she glared at her daughter. Why, mother? Faltered the girl. Don't you why, mother me? Cried Mrs. Comstock. You know very well what I mean. You've given me no peace until you've had your way about this going to school business. I've fixed you good enough and you're ready to start. But no child of mine walks the streets of Onabasha looking like a play actress woman. You wet your hair and comb it down modest and decent and then be off. Or you'll have no time to find where you belong. Elnora gave one despairing glance at the white face, framed in a most becoming riot of reddish-brown hair, which she saw in the little kitchen mirror. Then she untied the narrow black ribbon, wet the comb, and plastered the waving curls close to her head, bound them fast, pinned on the skimpy black hat, and opened the back door. You've gone so plumb, Daffy. You're forgetting your dinner, jeered her mother. I don't want anything to eat, replied Elnora. You'll take your dinner, or you'll not go one step. Are you crazy? Walk almost three miles and no food from six in the morning until six at night. A pretty figure you'd cut if you had your way. And after I've gone and bought you this nice new pail and filled it a special to start on. Elnora came back with a face still whiter and picked up the lunch. Thank you, Mother. Goodbye, she said. Mrs. Comstock did not reply. She watched the girl follow the long walk to the gate and go from sight on the road, in the bright sunshine of the first Monday of September. I bet a dollar she gets enough of it by night, commented Mrs. Comstock. Elnora walked by instinct, for her eyes were blinded with tears. She left the road where it turned south, at the corner of the Limberlost, climbed a snake fence, and entered a path worn by her own feet. Dodging under willow and scrub oak branches, she came at last to the faint outline of an old trail made in the days when the precious timber of the swamp was guarded by armed men. This path she followed until she reached a thick clump of bushes. From the debris in the end of a hollow log, she took a key that unlocked the padlock of a large weather-beaten old box, inside of which lay several books, a butterfly apparatus, and a small cracked mirror. The walls were lined thickly with gaudy butterflies, dragonflies, and moths. She set up the mirror, and once more, pulling the ribbon from her hair, she shook the bright mass over her shoulders, tossing it dry in the sunshine. Then she straightened it, bound it loosely, and replaced her hat. She tugged vainly at the low brown calico collar and gazed despairingly at the generous length of the narrow skirt. She lifted it as she would have cut it, if possible. That disclosed the heavy high leather shoes at sight of which she seemed positively ill and hastily dropped the skirt. She opened the pail, removed the lunch, wrapped it in the napkin, and placed it in a small pasteboard box. Locking the case again, she hid the key and hurried down the trail. She followed it around the north end of the swamp, and then entered a footpath crossing a farm leading in the direction of the spires of the city to the northeast. Again she climbed a fence and was on the open road. For an instant, she leaned against the fence staring before her, then turned and looked back. Behind her lay the land on which she had been born to drudgery and a mother who made no pretense of loving her. 
Before her lay the city through whose school she hoped to find means of escape and the way to reach the things for which she cared. When she thought of how she appeared, she leaned more heavily against the fence and groaned. When she thought of turning back and wearing such clothing and ignorance all the days of her life, she set her teeth firmly and went hastily toward Onabasha.